Hi, and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here today again with my wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And we are on the road. So uh, we're in North Carolina still, but we're in Asheville up near an area called Maggie Valley. Uh, we haven't done another podcast in probably a month. I think it's since the last one. Probably been longer than that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a little bit longer. Um, but we're just really busy with the kids, and we hadn't had a lot of time. But we did notice, or I did notice, that we've had, I think on the last one was about um, Lauren Daigle and the Christian Plumber. We probably were around 70 listens on that. So, Woo! so that's awesome. So thanks, everybody, who's listening. Um, I would ask you, if you have the opportunity, go to Facebook and like that page and join up. Uh, maybe you can we can start some conversation there about uh, Christian living, uh, Christian lives, stuff like that. So we figured while we were away... With no children. With no children. She likes to bring that out. Yeah, no kids. Then we would take a, a, a little bit of time to try and do a little bit of podcasting because it's uh, it's a great opportunity. So, um, yeah. So yeah, you we had, had you had we, we had a list of things and subjects we were going to talk about that she put down on a list that I'm sure she has. But first off, uh, this morning, I think I woke up this morning and I saw that there was a shooting, a uh, mass shooting in New Zealand at a mosque. Um, as of right now, the last thing I saw five minutes ago was that there were 49 people who were killed, 20 wounded. I think they said there were four different suspects under arrest. Um, so just a brief touch on that, um, as Christians, and if you listen to to the podcast, you, and hopefully if you're a Christian, you know how we are, what we believe, uh, we definitely do not condone, um, murder. Well, it's, it's, it's one of the 10 commandments, things we believe in is thou shalt not kill. It's murder is very um, life is very precious to God. And in some of our other episodes, we talked about life and what it means to the Lord and what it means to us. So very sad to see that that happened to those people. Um, and our hearts, really our prayers go out to them. Thoughts don't do them any good. So we pray for them. Um, so we'll be praying for those people over there. Hopefully this, in, this incident God can use to, uh, maybe somebody can witness to those folks and, and share the gospel of Jesus with them. Uh, because any, anytime somebody loses their life in this world, you always have to consider the option or the other side of that, that life as it ends here continues on somewhere else. And if people don't believe in Jesus and they don't have salvation, then they don't have anything. And so that life goes, uh, it continues on, but it continues into something worse, according to the scripture. So I just want to call that out. Pray for the people in New Zealand. Um, I think my big fear is, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say retaliation or retribution of those kind of things. But I think the public is growing ever more hostile towards uh, religion as a whole. And if these things are done by people who claim to be Christians, it's going to it's gonna be a whole lot worse for Christianity. Um, I think Islam needs sympathy uh, to grow uh, because it's always, it's always been seen as such a harsh religion and uh, all the things that have gone on in the Middle East, September 11th. So I think this uh, it's very sad for them. Um, but hopefully it's, uh, I definitely, I really hope this isn't anyone who has linked themselves to any kind of Christian group claiming to be Christians, because this is not something Christians should be doing, um, or would ever do, I would, I would, I would think. Or that Christ would condone. No, no, I can't remember, anybody give me a count of the people that Jesus killed offhand, and I, I might condone it, but I can't think of one person that he killed. In fact, he went the opposite way, and he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So uh, there was a little girl. Um, he told the father, you know, if you have enough faith. And the father said, you know, I don't have enough faith. And he said, just you believe in me and who I am. So 
there were opportunities where he was able to give life to people, and that was what his life was about, um, was about offering life, and his, his own life was an example of that. Um, and his death was an example of life as well, uh, because we put our faith in him, and through him we have life. So hopefully that somebody will be able to go into those people there and, and uh, minister and witness to them, and uh, really show some compassion, because I think that's what the world needs, even you know its worst moments. So, uh, again, we're in the mountains. We're in Maggie Valley. We're at a cabin on the side of a mountain. <laughs> I think that's probably... This would be like an apocalyptic area or setting for a podcast. We're hiding away from the Antichrist and we're in a building on the side. You know, something like that. But, but instead, we're up here trying to enjoy a little bit of time away from everything. Um, so one of the subjects we'll talk a little bit about, um, what does Jesus look like? Now, so what does Jesus look like now? We've touched on this a little bit on some of the previous podcasts. Um, I think some of the uh, our artists, say artists, artist Leonardo and uh, Da Vinci and uh, you know Michelangelo, some of those guys. When they painted pictures of Jesus, they always painted them as a blonde, brown, blonde hair, blue eyed guy. You know, kind of Greek looking. No um, scars. Glorified, right? Glorified. The only well, the only time you ever see pictures of Jesus with his scars or if it's in his hands or his feet it's all we ever see he's in a white robe with a purple sash and he's got his hands out and he's showing you the holes in his hands and he's showing you the scars in his feet and i don't remember we were talking about this earlier this week do you remember why i brought this up mm, no me neither good 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 answer good answer <laughs> so we don't, you don't really need a reason to bring up no i just can't. i think you i ran it, come in the door already on it yeah i get off work and i go home and on the way home i get to thinking about things and then i'm wound up when i come in the door and so then i sit down for half an hour and i rant and she listens and she doesn't say anything and she smiles and she you know uh it's very good at listening to uh my craziness and and my thought patterns sometimes so i think i think one of the things that really frustrated me was um or actually i was thinking about was our opinion of jesus and our, our idea of what a savior would look like, right? Because everything in life is really. It was mainly about being. It would be a. a so that we would always know what right, he right, went right. through. Right, and, and I think the the where I was coming off of that was I think people go through life and they paint these pictures of what they want Jesus to look like, what what they think Jesus looks like. He looks like me. He looks like you know if, if I'm whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, you'll, you'll go to uh, different churches and they'll have different pictures of Jesus on the wall. White, black, Asian, brown. I saw one that was a Vietnamese Jesus and he was like really ripped. He was huge. He was ripped Jesus. I mean, so everybody wants to make God and make Jesus into their own image because if we can get him to conform to us, then he's okay with how we are. Does that make right. sense? So I think when I, and when I was thinking about it, you know, the scripture, I was asking her um, when Jesus came to the disciples after he was crucified, he went to Thomas. And everybody knows they call him Doubting Thomas because Thomas didn't believe who he said he was. He just didn't believe it. Um, and so what did he do? He says, here, stick your fingers in the nail holes, right? That's one thing he told him. Then he told him to stick his hand in his side because his side still had the pierced hole. He still had the hole in the side from the spear. So he was able to identify who Christ was by his wounds and by his marks. And so, you know, the more I think about it and the more I thought about it, I thought, does he still have the the holes on his head from the crown of thorns does he still have the scars on his face from where they plucked his beard you know does he still have the stripes on his back the bible says by his stripes we are healed why would that go away why would that go away 
when when we think of Jesus being glorified after the crucifixion, we think of a God who no longer has suffering marks, that he's raised from the dead, and that he's uh, almost like we're going to be given a new body, that he's given a new body that is without blemish, without marks, without uh, any kind of, uh, any attributes, anything that shows what we did to him, right? We, we have that in our head, that he sits at the right hand of God, and he's glorified, which he is, and we don't take that away from him. We don't take away from him his kingship at all. But we, we also don't want to think of the, the gruesome brutality of what happened to him. And we don't think in our minds that we're going to have to see that. And I honestly, the more I think about it, the more I look at Scripture, I really think we will. I think we're going to see that. Well, I think we're going to see it. It doesn't paint a very pretty picture. And it would, I would think, would make people uncomfortable. Absolutely. I think it makes people incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but I think we go to the Scripture where it says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I've heard preachers preach it before, and they say, you know, well, you, even if you don't want it, you're going to have to bend your knee. You'll make, they'll make you bend your knee. And I disagree with that. I think when people see him, and they see him as the Lamb of God sacrificed or slain from the foundation of the world, they're going to see his bruised face. They're going to see his scarred head. They're going to see the nail holes in his hands. They're going to know, you're going to be able to look at him. Yes, he'll be glorified, right, in the Mount of Transfiguration. Showed himself to Elijah and Moses in his transfigured form. Um... But at the same time, I think that he still has that body that is beaten and bruised and mangled. And those things didn't go away just because he ascended into heaven. I think we need those. When we see him, that's, that is proof to us of what he's done. And that's proof to the world and those who don't believe of who he says he is. So when they get to heaven, when everybody is standing before God at judgment, and the lost are there and the righteous are there, um, you're not going to be able to say. You're not going to be able to say, well, that's not. It's not God's son. That's not Jesus. He's not the king. You can't say that. He's going to be seated, seated in that position of authority. He's going to have all the markings upon him that he got from us. And I say us because his crucifixion was because of my sin. Um, it might as well have been me holding the hammer, you know. Any of us who sin, for everyone who sins, you're just as guilty as the guy who drove the nails in his hand. You're as guilty as the soldier who stuck a spear in his side. So when we see him marked like that, we won't be able to deny it. No, there is no denying it. And I think that's it's very important when it says that he's going to, the Bible says that God is going to wipe away the tears from the, every eye, right, of the believer. Why are we? Why would we be in heaven crying? Why would we be in tears? Because I think it's, it, I can't even imagine the moment of standing before a holy and righteous God and the son who sacrificed himself for me and gave his life for my sin and that I am in front of these two and I'm in their presence. That is a... It, Yes, he loves me, but that is also a terrifying position to be in because this power has the ability to control life and death. The Bible says who else can destroy the soul? Nobody. Nobody but God could if he wanted to. So, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's just an interesting thing I, I wanted to bring up and talk about because we don't paint that picture to our kids. And I think if we painted that honest picture to people, and I'm not saying, I, I think years ago Mel Gibson did The Passion of the Christ. And he went off and used um, the vision that this nun had written. She had a vision of Jesus' crucifixion and all the ordeals he went through. And so she wrote them all down in a book. And that's, that was the basis for the movie. It wasn't actually the Bible. It was this woman's vision that she claims that she saw of what happened to Jesus. Um, the Bible doesn't give us very gory details. It doesn't give us many gory details because I don't think we need the gory details. Um, but that, I think our imagination can... Yeah, it can fill in the blanks. There's enough to know that when somebody pulls the beard out of your face, that is... Ah, 
I don't even can't. I, I plucked the eyebrow the other day and thought I was going to slip off into a coma. I mean, it hurt. It's like I got shot in the face. That didn't yeah, work. Precious. That may be the case, but it still hurt. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I think if we painted if we painted the reality of what happened to Jesus and who he was, maybe people would stop looking at him as a sky fairy. Maybe people would stop looking at God that way if we we painted the reality and the truth of of these. We you know. We want to separate ourselves from the world to some degree, I think, as the church. But I think the modern church wants to keep being part of the world. And I think they like the Jesus who looks like them. And they like the the cleaned up, clean cut version of the guy because it fits our narrative. Um, so, it's a, it's a, I don't know. What do you got? I think I wasted all of that 30 minutes the other day telling you about it. But I yeah, I get it, you know. Yeah, you uh, expounded a bit more. I do. I get I in these thought processes. That's why I wish I could just whip the microphone out and you don't even know. Yeah, that would be nice because I, I, I rant quite a bit. and But it, it, it really, you know, when I think about Jesus and who he is in his position, Yeshua, and I think about his position, his relation to God, um, and that he claimed himself to be equal with God, and that all authority and power was given to him in the earthly form, in his human form, by God the Father. Um, it is a difficult thing to think that the God of the universe would sacrifice his son for us. I, I asked you this question the other day. We have five children. Which one of those children would you sacrifice to save? Not just not just go away, move away, but sacrifice. You knew somebody's going to take them, torture them, kill them, hate them. Um, abuse them to save. How I many? Which one of our kids will we give away to do that? And I can't think of one. But I think your bigger point was give up a child for people who then didn't want anything. Oh, to yeah. do with it. That's absolutely. I mean, you like imagine, it would be easy. Like, well, not easy, but easier to give up a child to save a mass of people that you knew would be grateful for the sacrifice. I, that but, might be easier, but I still don't think you would do it. Well, no, but I wouldn't either. I don't know anybody. But as opposed, it would be really easy to say no for a group of people who would ridicule and mock and make fun of the sacrifice. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, you know. The Bible says that before the earth and all of creation, that Jesus was in God's bosom, and I don't even really understand what that means. Um, but it was he was in the Father, and the Father held him close because he loved him that much they love each other like that when much. you hold a baby when they come home right you want to nuzzle them and make them feel safe and right and so he's he's holding the son because they have that relationship of oneness um and then he's going to give them up for something he created that disobeyed him and then often hated him i mean there's plenty of uh instances in the old testament of where god everybody looks at the old testament as god's hammer right God's walking around smashing groups of people. He's killing off the Philistines. He's killing off just all kinds of groups, Canaanites. And then he's wielding this hammer, and he's just he just seems to be so angry and mean. We talked about this too. Um, but God always gave him a scapegoat. He always gave him a way out. Um, he always gave him a prophet. He always gave him somebody to come and warn them and to be a witness to them. He always gave them the opportunity to get right, to turn their from their wicked ways, to follow him, before destruction came upon him. He never just, you know. I mean, look at how long it took. Everybody talks about how long it took Noah to build the ark. Um, but he also preached the whole time he did it. I think it was over 100 years. It was a long, doggone time. 
Um, he didn't build it quick. It took him forever to build it with his sons, and everybody made fun of him. But Noah warned them, and they preached to him that God was going to do and they laughed at him. But God was still merciful in that he offered them a way out. This is the whole same scenario, is that Christ comes, and the world mocks him and ridicules him, and they laugh at him, and they accuse him, and they kill him, and they crucify him. And God even... This is the crazy thing. Even after they've killed the Son of God, which was always his plan, but even after they've killed him, there's still salvation that's offered to those who are willing to accept it. I mean, I can't, as a parent, could you imagine somebody killing your kid and you're supposed to go and save everybody because of that, or you're supposed to forgive everybody because of that? I think a lot of people would hold that in. We watch plenty of crime drama on TV. My wife loves these 2020 shows and these crime drama shows because um, it's really interesting to get into people's mentality, why they do things. But there's a lot of people out there when somebody kills their daughter or son or their, their they don't they want nothing to do with it. They hope that guy rots in prison, under the prison. They don't, you know, I mean, they talk the worst about him because they can't. Um, but God in his mercy said, you know, this is the sacrifice that I'm offering up. I'm going to give my son. Um, and then, then we don't even in real true regards address him as who he is. And we don't, we're not honest with ourselves about who Christ was. And we're not honest with ourselves about the things that he went through and his even, even down to the very appearance. We're not honest about how he appears. Because it's too, again, it just, it's just all for our comfort level. Right. But I think it's a, it's an earth-shaking type of a deal if we can come to the realization of who he is in the world and in our lives that has an opportunity to change other people's lives. It has the opportunity to uh, change the way that people think of God and, and think of Jesus. Um, but, I mean, you even look, you got we started this podcast talking about the people in New Zealand who were, um, who were killed basically over their belief. Um, I don't understand the world. The world is a very disjointed, broken place right now. It's always been. Um, and so it has to be our opportunity to, to witness and to minister and to say, Jesus is the Son of God, and here's what he laid down for you. He didn't just give his life. It's not just where he walked over there and he dropped dead. He didn't just die for you. He was beaten and brutalized, and that was the place you were supposed to be in. We were supposed to accept that punishment. That's what the... Everybody talks about the law. So all the people, uh, anybody who's listening to the podcast, if you're not a Christian, um, there are people who, who do this all the time, and I'll give you a good a little heads up. Stop saying that you don't believe the Bible because of the law. There are a lot of people who look at the Bible and the law, and they say, well, the law said um, if, uh, if you found somebody doing something wrong, you're supposed to kill them. I guess you should just start killing people then, huh? Because that's what the law said. A lot of people like to use this in the instance of uh, being gay, right? So in Leviticus, it does talk about... Uh, a woman lying with a woman or a woman lying with a beast. And it does say that they were to be put to death that they were found. Yes, the Bible does say that. Um, are there any instances in the scripture where that happened? Nope, there's not an instance in the scripture where that ever occurred. Um, why? Because it's a plan. It's a story. You don't ever buy a book and read the first two chapters, read the last chapter in the book and go, well, I know everything about it. You know, I mean, if you read a horror story or you read a mystery novel and you went to the first two or three chapters and you said, well, I think I figured out who the murderer is. Without reading the end, you could be wrong. You could be way wrong. And so the Bible is the very same thing. People come and they say, well, the law says this, so that's it. I don't believe the Bible. And I'm like, you know, you got you got to read it like a book. This is a continuing story. There's a narrative from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Um, and the law plays a part in pointing out who we are. And there's like I talked about the scapegoat, God always offered up, they could offer a sacrifice for their sins. The scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So in the Old Testament, they could offer up a sacrifice, a lamb, a spotless lamb, if they had 
committed sins against God. They could put their hands on his head and they could commute their sins to that animal. And it could die in their place. That's, that's mercy. God didn't walk around just killing people. He didn't walk around just making, you know, I mean, it even comes out when Christ comes along. He says, go and sin no more, right? So if people are violating and breaking the law when Jesus is walking around and the law says they should be put to death, why didn't Jesus kill them on the spot? The Bible says he was a, he was a high priest. He was, he's our high priest. He was a rabbi. He was a keeper of the law. He didn't break it one law himself. But the truth was is that God gave grace and mercy and other ways to pay for breaking the law. And the ways to pay for breaking the law was to offer the sacrifice. And so God said, there is no longer any need for sacrifice because I've offered you Jesus. We're going to end that. We're going to stop that. And the final sacrifice for sin will be my son, whose blood, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, whose blood would cover all mankind, everyone. Everyone who's ever sinned from the beginning of history until the end of time. His blood and his sacrifice covers every one of those sins. Um, and then it says, we have to put our faith, hope, and trust in him. He comes to us, the Holy Spirit comes to us, convicts us, and we have to believe on him. If we choose not to believe, if we turn away from that, then that doesn't apply to our life. And then we're judged. The Bible says in the judgment, we will be judged according to the law. Did we break it? Did we keep it? Are we guilty? Are we innocent? And according to the scripture, there's none righteous, no, not one, which means nobody's innocent. According to the law of God, no one is innocent. So I think in the in the broader scheme of things, when I look at it, I, I like... I'm a very sticklery person for accuracy. Really? Yes, you wouldn't guess that, would you? That I'm, I'm a big fan of accuracy, um, <clears throat> even if it hurts my own opinion sometimes and hurts my own position. I, I don't mind. I'll change my viewpoint if I think, you know, uh, somebody was, I asked a lady the other day, because this came up, I was watching a YouTube video, and this guy said, if you could prove that, he was saying, you know, if you run into an atheist and the atheist says they don't believe in God, he said, if you want to know if they got an issue or a problem with God, ask them this one question. If I could prove to you that Jesus was real, the Bible was true, and everything it says is accurate, would you become a Christian? And I know it's a hypothetical question for an atheist, but if I ask you that, and it turned out that every bit of it was true, and I could prove it, would you become a Christian? And he said, if, the, if someone says yes, then they're being honest that they are being diligent and they're looking, there's a great opportunity to witness to somebody. If they say no, it's, it's because they are not looking for the truth. I mean, that's the honest truth. If you could prove something is a fact 100% and somebody would still reject it, that's because they have a an emotional problem with whatever that is. And that's the way the Bible is and God is and Jesus. If we could prove it 100% true to people and they still rejected it, there's an emotional problem between them and God. Um, you know, it's like I was telling you, I, I watched a guy the other day, he was talking about his, he was an atheist for 23 years his, uh, somebody in his family got cancer. He went home that night and he immediately started cussing at God. And he started, you know, carrying on and going off about God. How could you let this happen? I don't understand. And, and he even caught himself a little surprised. He says, you know, I don't understand this because I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Why am I yelling at God? I'm yelling at someone I doesn't, I don't believe exists. Um, and through that whole process, he wound up becoming a Christian. It was, it was absolutely amazing to listen to his testimony. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where we're at on this podcast, this episode, is really think about it. You know, it's, I'm not saying go tear all your pictures down. Uh, I don't have any pictures of Jesus in my house. When I was growing up, uh, my mom and dad were real. Uh, the scripture says not to have any graven images. We don't know what he looked like. Um, I don't know what Jesus looked like. I don't know if he was white, black, black brown, Asian. I don't. Whatever he was in the Middle East, I, 
I don't even care. He could be green for all I care. I don't care. Um, the fact is he died for my sins. So I don't need pictures of him on my wall. I don't need him, you know, uh, somebody's interpretation of him hanging up in my bathroom. I don't need that um, because that image on the wall didn't save me. That image on the wall is not what lives in me. And so um, just think about that. I mean, it's, it's important. If you can come to the understanding, you can get that mental picture in your mind of the sacrifice or the actual sacrifice that he had to make for you. I think that can change the way we relate to him. And it can also change the way we relate the gospel to others. So for us, that is the end of episode number two, season two, episode two. Hey, we made a second episode. Deuce, deuce. Well, we're going to call it, huh? Is that Spanish? <laughs> what is that? So anyway, uh, last thing I like to include into this, uh, I hate self-promotion by any and all means. I don't like it. But, excuse me, I do have a CD out on Amazon, Google Play, and iTunes. Uh, iTunes anywhere, yeah. Anywhere you want to get digital music. It's called Take Some Time. I released it last November. It's uh, songs I've written, uh, recorded at home. Uh, I don't know if it's good or not. Hopefully everybody. Oh. I, I, you know, I roll that back because I, I just don't, I don't like self-promotion. So check that out. It's on all the digital distribution. Get you a copy of that and listen to it. If you want to figure out how to support us in this, this <laughs> is a way. Uh, the equipment and things that I have did cost money to buy, but I don't ever, I'm not ever asking anybody for a dime because God has provided for us very well. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I also have a book on Amazon.com. Um, it's called When Cedar Falls. I did write a book. It released last November as well. Um, so I work a normal job. I have a lot of kids and I do all this extra stuff on the side. And I think it frustrates me because I don't get to do as much of it as I want to because I just have this, uh, all these words in my head that I want to get out somewhere. So, so check those out. Uh, check out my Facebook page as well. I'm uploading videos of new songs. I'm going to be recording some in the next couple of weeks, probably two new songs. Um, and there's another Facebook group, Freedom Song Music Group, yeah. which has a lot of his stuff on it. Uh, yeah, and it's not, again, this is not self-promotion of Brad Mason, even though that's who this is all under, right? Um, it's to promote and glorify Jesus the most. So um, if you get an opportunity to check all that out, if you could give us a little support there, that'd be great. Feedback. Feedback would be great. Um it's again, it's, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. So hopefully we will talk to you again. Uh, we're probably gonna do a couple more episodes while we're up here in the mountains and away from everybody, just giving us a little bit of chance to talk. So, uh, from us to you, Brad Mason and Natasha, goodbye. Later. <laughs>